Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hello, welcome everybody to J3U Podcast. I'm your host, John Jewett. With me is Luke Miller. And we're also joined by Cal Ristrick. Well, I hope I said your last name right, Cal. You, you know it, you know it. <laughs> so this is actually your second time on. We had you a long time ago, but a lot's yep. happened since then for you. Um, progressing along, I'm sure if, if you haven't heard of Cal, he's now pretty much the, the top bodybuilding coach in the UK, at least in my eyes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> With, uh, I, I saw on your IG, it's 102 first places. Yeah, we're going to list... Uh, you know highlight you here 21 overalls 10 british tiles yeah. six pro cards is that is that already increased since since then yeah. yeah yeah it's been it's been it's been a big year this year so far big year um, yeah now you're you've launched like pro coach and you really like taking over the coaching scene putting like the people you've been putting on stage are man they've been extremely high quality like you're, you're doing doing an awesome job yeah, I I, th- I think me and Luke had this conversation um, maybe when we were when we we're over in Texas, where it was like you. Uh, I think everyone has their kind of breakthrough year from a coaching perspective on the level that you want to operate on, and you just need a few opportunities with those individuals that come in and and stay with you, and you have the time to nurture them and take them through their processes. And this, like the back the back end of last year, COVID kind of obviously skewed things for a lot of us, but slowed things down a little bit in terms of getting people on stage, but. Once COVID was done, last year was a big year, and then it's just kind of followed through into, into this year. So it's been um, it's been a really good start to the year for sure. This has been the year where you've kind of at least stepped away from competing necessarily. Yeah, that that kind of happened by default last year. Yeah, um, right. and th- then this year is like uh, I'm on a I'm on a quest to be healthy and not 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah, do you, think, do you think that was a big turning point in like being part of the breakout year? Like you went like all in on yeah. coaching not not that it wasn't all all before right but we know like our, our own bodybuilding takes takes a huge toll right yeah i think it's just like the ability for me to um put all my energy and focus into you know all the resources i have throughout the day into that and i think that kind of reflects on what's happened over the last uh, over the last several months because as we as we both know like although it's it, it is possible to balance them both like to be on it with both it's a challenge like it's it's, it's hard yeah. at times when you're when you're managing high higher client numbers as well um so you know i think the 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 fertility thing obviously as we spoke about with luke i think obviously you know we've spoken about this quite a lot recently but that was something that we went through last year me and me and hannah my, my fiance and this is something we're gonna you know get done at the end of this year and it's been something that we've kind of built up to and ever since i was in a position where i was like right i want to you know, come down onto TRT, bring my body weight down, try and kind of actively get a little bit healthier than being heavy, heavy. Um, and then ever since I've been down, it's like, look, you know, if I'm not going to like compete and try and be competitive, then I don't see as a person, as from a personal level, I don't see the need to take the risk, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just the, you know, the position that's um, kind of been nurtured over the last several months. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's a perfect like segue to what I wanted to talk to you about today and just mapping out the full contest year of the needs analysis for an athlete. So when we do get a new client in, like what, what does that look like? Kind of reverse engineering the process, right? Like 
looking back, like, what do we see and vision for this client and, and how do we build back? Like how many months and weeks are going to need to see out what they need from the stage to stage in progress. And kind of like what you just explained now, like this was your own needs analysis, right? Like, yeah. Hey, I need a, I want fertility. I have a baby. Like, well, there's a process to that. Right. Um, yeah. and, and a risk assessment that all goes along with it. And we have to see out farther than just, like you said, the week to week check-ins and, what does it string together for like this athlete in five years? And that's really long-term, but at least we go one year at a time, but that's when I wanted to dive in a little bit more today. And to let everyone know that that is listening all of us on this podcast and including Ross Byron, who is with pro coach as well. And Nick Gloff, we're all going to be in a seminar together um, with BodyCon. So this will be in the dragon's layer at Flex Lose gym. It's going to be wicked. And it'll be a, a two-day seminar with all of us lecturing every day. And basically, it'll be the, the place to go to to learn how to be comprehensively be a, be a bodybuilder and learn from all of us that coach at a high level, coach people at a high level. And uh, it'll be a great time. So that's going to be August 20th and August 21st. So we're going to cover some of the topics that we're going to cover at this seminar. Um, but look out for links. We'll share them on IG and y'all see them. So it'll be a great time. But... Let's get to you, Cal. Um, so let's start. Like we we have this an athlete come in. Like where does the process start for you for um, mapping them yeah. out? I, I think once I, I probably started doing this. I think me and Luke actually did this on a Zoom call a while ago. When I it might have been the first time I actually probably spoke to you, Luke. And yeah. I uh, I ran through like what I was doing on Google Sheets, and I was like, right, this is how I'm like running client check ins. This is what I'm doing when I set people up. And um, it just started with like a little Excel file while I had like a year mapped out on an Excel file and I had each month and each week. And then it would be just like color coordinated in terms of what phase they're in, whether they were, you know, progressively pushing or, you know, recomping or in prep or transitioning or super physiological or physiological, whatever they're doing. And um, I first did it is like when I started to coach more, it was becoming really hard to keep track of everyone's individual processes in terms of where they were at any given time. So I was like, right, well, I may as well, you know, log this stuff you know, in full. So I have, every, I have the, the entire history mapped out of everything we've done and every change we've made from every single week. So, you know, prep to prep, we have that data to look at, but also, you know, it's uh, it's something that we can then pre-plan and periodize across a, the long term. And yes, it may change in, in the, in the structure, but at least we have some form of preliminary plan in terms of what's going on when we're onboarding an athlete. Um, so it was like, you know, it started becoming a ex, ex client comes on board and they've got, you know, a prep in, you know, August or September or October, whatever it might be, or whether that's a long-term thing, that's something we'll talk about at the seminar in terms of how to map out those long-term phases as well. Um, and instead of taking it from week to week, I'd almost like set the date and then reverse engineer back from the date all the way to where we are at current. Um, and that goes through, you know, the individual elements of what a progressive season for an athlete looks like in terms of improvement phases, in terms of recomp phases when that improvement phase maybe starts to fizzle out a little bit and then when we're trying to restore health markers when we're trying to actively pursue progress and accept the fact that health markers probably aren't going to improve at that given time um and when we're transitioning into each phase and you know something we'll talk about the seminar in terms of off season contest prep you know peak week you know john's talking about you know risk mitigation and, and safety considerations that all that stuff gets slammed into that framework um and it's something that that's helped mass massively with me in terms of just general organization for an athlete, but also I just don't think now I'm doing that in that framework and you're kind of periodizing in the long run, you've got everything mapped out. I don't think you, uh, you don't miss the beat 
you don't miss the ball with any of those decisions because you kind of almost foresee things happening in the first place and you're almost one step ahead at that at that time if that makes sense yeah i think one of the big things too that people don't realize is how important this initial step is to actually nailing it on show day like people always talk about peak week and then contest prep which you know i'm going to be diving into the details of contest prep and all that at bodycon but the big thing here is like the first step is always mapped out with the, the reverse engineering process so like maybe touch on that a little bit because i think it's like you say it right and it's just kind of brushed off sometimes like the importance of how that actually leads into being the best you can be on stage yeah like all the considerations in terms of uh obviously season like if john came and prepped john knows all the data he has in terms of like how long previous preps have been how long it takes to get in you know a threshold in terms of condition you know where he needs to be at any given time and he's got those time frames whereas if you're working with people who, who haven't stepped on stage before or maybe who have prepped before but have never hit actual condition as well we're in the gray a little bit in terms of some of those considerations but at least we have a, a you know an expectation as to you know right we're going to budget x amount of weeks to prep that takes us back to this month now we're going to have to have some form of pre-prep phase to put you in a position where the body and your physiology and you are hormonally primed to respond that takes us to this month and now right from that it's then going to probably be a progressive phase and off-season phase we're going to need say you know I, I usually work in five month blocks for progressive phases in the off-season then I'll have a period of time where I solidify things and I might you know pull the androgen load and reduce stress on on, on that individual um and we're dipping in and out of those phases so like like Luke said it's almost like a it's an accountability of where you need to be at any given time of the year and unless you are accountable you just kind of like tread water a little bit and there's no real direction and I, I've personally seen a massive difference in terms of this clarity that athletes have when they know exactly what they're doing at any given time and they know what's ahead of them it's almost like it's a little bit more uh, task orientated and they can be a little bit more on the ball in terms of what they're trying to achieve where there's nothing worse than the client coming in and being like on a check-in they're like I don't really know what we're trying to achieve at the moment or can you explain to me a little bit more about what the objective is at the moment and if that's happening it's like geez like we've fallen at the first hurdle here because they have no idea what they're doing. And then if they have no idea what they're doing, then they're not going to achieve anything. Yeah. I think that was, that was the point I was going to bring up for, for one. There's a few nuggets in there for sure. Like if you are coaching clients, like this came out of need just for make to optimize your own coaching. Right. I mean, cause I I've been there where I'm like, you know, your mind slips, you had someone update you like, man, are we still like cutting right now? And you got to go back <laughs> last email. You're like, what did I tell them? They're like, Oh shit. I, yeah. I left a voice memo. I got to listen to my own voice memo or something, you know? Um, but it came out of need, like, Hey, I have to see what, you know, what notes I made previously of what we're changing week to week, but then also the phases we're in and how you're progressing it. So it came out of that need, but I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty empowering to your clients too, to know the direction that they're ahead. Cause I, you know, a while back, I've had clients that asked me like, Hey, like when, when is, when do you stop like doing this like fat loss phase or um, how long we grow? Like all those questions that are kind of answered for them. So I'm sure it's uh it is pretty empowering, you know, for your client. I think when you, we do build in that, you know, that autonomy and giving them some like understanding of where they're at, it, uh, it can make them progress farther. Right. Just like you've seen, that's probably been a huge like that's funny luke luke sent me his own like color-coded thing i'm like this is fucking cool and then I started, <laughs> absolutely started using it because of you <laughs> yeah i think like even little things like because it's that it's that initial impact on the athlete when they actually see it and they actually realize well like all of this stuff's mapped out um but also little things like i was i was doing a check-in earlier and um 
just have it, having like I've got a, a female athlete who actually lives in Dubai called Kira. She's a trained by JP athlete, but she's a powerlifter, figure pro, but also a powerlifter. And she's doing um, six, seven, six, seven and a half kilogram weight cap world championships in I think it's Vegas in July. Um, and she's going for all three world world records in in uh, bench, squat and, and deadlift at this low body weight she's never been before because I think she competes in like the low 70s. And um, like through the whole process I've had, like current body weight, uh, you know, the, the average rate of loss per week and then also how many kilos we are off from the cap in the first place. And then it's also considering like, all right, if we're pulling around a weight, or under a weight cap, then there's probably a little bit of, you know, there's probably three or four pounds difference there in terms of me just pulling her under for the day and then pulling her back up. Um, but it's having that almost like, uh, this little micro target for her on the sheet of this is our rate of loss. This is how many weeks we have left. Here's this on the actual piece of paper. So you can see it as well as a tangible thing. It's massively powerful for her because it, it it's a little bit of expectation and pressure, but it's also the accountability of like, look, if we miss this, it skews the whole process. So if you're not tracking this stuff, you're probably not going to hit hit your target. Yeah. I, I just had a, a client myself and it, uh it, it keeps, kind of demystifies prep, right? Because uh, you have people that come in, they're like, hey, let's prep 16 weeks out, right? Let's go. It's like, are you 16 weeks out? Like, and to me, I like, I'm math. Like this is, this is math to me. It's simple as that. Um, I know it's not purely scale weight, especially when we work with enhanced, it kind of blurs a little mm. bit, but, but relatively, you're going to have to come down in body weight somewhat. Um, I think, like you said, Cal, like if we had a, a competitor, we can look at their last stage weight, were they conditioned? No. Okay. That's probably going to be a little bit more fat loss needs to happen. Did they, what's a reasonable gain of, of muscle for the, the off season period? Maybe we factor that in, but yeah. then you're right. Like reverse engineer it. I map out people's like roughly their body weight expectation changes. And so if you had someone like, Hey, you're missing the mark here on prep, look, you're not on track. So it's not like all of a sudden, like what happened coach? You, you, why am I not on prep? It's, you know, on track it's, it's simply like, no, no, we have the expectation of what you need to be doing here and where we need to have the rate at. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it definitely can keep people in line. I think like a big contributing factor and obviously like this, the scale element of getting someone lean has improved for me over the last year or so. But I think just a big contributing factor of having those weekly targets and breaking that down from like a macro scale into that micro scale of week to week instead of month to month or prep to prep the ability to consistently get that condition over the line on stage. Like I think I've, I've, I'm not in a position now and I haven't been for the last 18 months where you get to that five week out mark and you open up your WhatsApp and you check the date and you're like five weeks out and you look at the photo and it's like, Jesus. Oh my God. Like we've, got some, <laughs> we've, we've got a lot of work to do here. Like that, does, that doesn't happen anymore. Cause it's like, you would have, you know, this stuff's ingrained within the plan itself. It happens by default. And I think one of the most valuable pieces I've found is like, we know that healthy athletes typically respond a little bit better to the, the prep process, right? And that's one of the biggest aspects of that. And when you map it out far enough back, you give someone the opportunity to, to be healthy going into a prep. And Kelsey this past weekend was a prime example of that. Like we had a lot of, you know, hormone related issues that we had to address from an HRT perspective. We knew that she was pretty adaptive um, to dieting phases that we had ran in the past and so we pre-prep mapped out when we were going to pull lab work at each point. And we basically watched that trend that kind of caught us 
catching these things before we hit these, you know, these stall points. And, I, and you can comment on this a little bit further, but I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I found is catching people before they actually stall because of how well it is built out. And she ended up winning overall last weekend. It's the best she's been by like six weeks of dieting. So like from a condition standpoint, right? So um, I think it's one thing that's like, people are all about like, it's time to prep. It's like, man, this prep started a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, why did I see that? Corin, Jordan Peters, um, other half, uh, Corin, who's uh, an incredible individual in herself, but like she... Um, there's something on Insta, I think it might have been social media and some, some, a client had asked and she screenshotted it and a client had asked her, uh, when do I start the process for prep? And uh, I think she'd like screenshotted the day they signed up for coaching or something. And I was like, you started then. I was like, the whole point was like, this is an entire process leading up to every, every single thing that's going to come. It's not like an on or an off thing. Um, so yeah, it's like an accumulative thing, isn't it? And Cal, like I see depending on experience and the division that's at hand, like that length of time where you plan, because usually I'm kind of planning out like next year's show to show, right? Um, what, what are like the factors that you're, you know, factoring in like versus like just, just to explain it, like we know these things, right? But like you have a, a pro comes, hey, needs to build up some, a body part versus someone that's newer that needs to do it. Um, and also considering for the division, maybe it's a bikini competitor or it's, um, you know, WPD. And then I guess like what Luke's been up also the, the health aspect that has to be considered within those. Yeah. I think for obviously from a female perspective, if we are looking like very progressive blocks, then I think we're looking at also the trade-off that comes with those very progressive blocks. If we are working with enhanced athletes and, understanding yeah we can we can aggressively pursue progress but that often comes at a cost um and for people that you know i think one of the interesting things for for uh unenhanced individuals and clients that i've had who are, are you know competing over here in like the the uk dfba or the wmbf um which are natural federations like the length of time that you have to that you have to plan out for significant improvements to be made is like three or four times what you would an enhanced athlete um, and that's like constant we're going to push this long then we're going to solidify and disown that body weight then we're going to creep up again then we're going to solidify it's not like a we're going to go for it and see what happens like it needs to be a lot more thought out otherwise they just get fat and they just get unresponsive so um like the nuances from class to class it's like you know the aggression which we're pursuing the goal how how much muscle is realistically going to be needed for the criteria to be met and where they need to be on stage like if it's a bikini athlete and we're looking at you know refinements within the class in terms of maybe some lower body development maybe a little bit of medial delt but they don't need to be like jacked out their eyeballs it's like right well we're probably in a position where off season wise we're going to keep body composition in a really good place so we know we can hit a mark in terms of condition when we come back down into prep if we're going to push the boat out in terms of body weight then we need to budget that for prep to be a little bit longer in the first place or maybe having a little bit more longer priming phase before we start dieting in the first place um i think for a lot of females i've started to use the and I don't like to get too fixated on it, but I've started to use, it'd be interesting to see what you do with Renee as well, John, and, you know, Luke with your females, but I started to use like previous stage weight set points and how, how much tolerance I'm allowing in the off season in terms of scale weight to rise relative to me being able to bring the condition back for that next opportunity to diet, if that makes sense. Because I feel as though if you, and I've done this before where it's like, 
say for example, a bikini competitor and you, you're, you're aggressive with, right, we're going to put all this tissue on and you're going to come back and you're going to be phenomenal. And you overshoot the mark by five to 10 pounds. It's a nightmare to bring back if you overshoot the mark by five to 10 pounds and it's all adipose, <laughs> you know? So it's like having, having the, you know, realistic threshold of what realistically can we put on in this phase and what's going to be unproductive and it's going to cause us metabolic trouble when we actually get on the other side. Yeah, I agree on the female side. I think one interesting thing on the female side is like, for one, uh, they're the individuals that we're not able to run as an enhancement model like we would for a male. And yeah. so I think even like within the IFBB, you have like that timeline of what a male would use paired to what to a female. It's kind of mirrored. So I think a lot of times it's a short window for a female given to when they might actually kind of compare more to like your unenhanced athlete, really um for what they need and i think some of that's not even like the rate of what we need muscle growth to be but just to reset the whole process so they can pull down again so i mean an ifbb bikini it's it's crazy like they prep and they'll do like every show then like it's a six month off season but that's like three month recovery and then like right back at it if that right so i think that's an interesting one about saying like how much longer it takes for your, your natural athletes. And I think some of that translates over to, even if you're an enhanced female, um, I, I do, I do agree. And it's, of course it's female dependent, but what I found like one off season, just I'll use Renee's example. Like we got up to a body weight that was like somewhat comfortable, but to push food up more, like I was going to see her weight, like start moving up too high. And it got me like kind of worried and so we end up for a lot of the off season, not being as progressive as I probably should have been uh, versus like she's gotten up maybe a little higher in body fat, but it's been so much more productive in like growth and also just how she feels too. Um, but, a, but a longer off season. So we had the opportunity to do it. Um, I, I think with that in mind, like I know how she preps and she pulls down fast. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the coin side. Like you probably know Cal, like with those females, you know, that's the thing is that it's going to be different. Like they, they won't pull down. There'll be the individuals that don't pull down as fast. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it just depends. Um, in general, I think females do prep slower than males and we don't necessarily have all the tools that we can play in a female that we can with a male. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like exposure across the year, obviously that's fairly contextually dependent upon health markers and, and risk model that we're running. Um, but just like on the average, are you seeing, are you mapping it out and picking a show based on those exposures at all? Like I have this 24 week block to make progress for the all season. So I'm going to push my show back six weeks so that I get the most out of this block. Or is it, you're just kind of molding it around that, even if the exposures are shorter than you want it. Um, I think it's obviously it is relative to the time frame but what i would say is um one thing that will potentially govern when that staging competitive window is is it's not necessarily the time spent progressing it's the time spent restoring and kind of repairing before the yeah. process begins as well so like i i know i can fit this 16 weeks of escalation here but I know that I also need another, another maybe four weeks of clearance and four weeks physiological before I want to run blood work and see where they're at before I commence that process. Whereas if I say, right, we're going to, we're going to prep for this show, but then I only have a four week window to actually tidy things up and you know, they're using test and it's going to still be clearing week four. It's like, well, there's, you haven't done any 
tidying up in the first place. So I think for the most part, it's like periodizing that in a way of, I'll give you this progressive block here, but I'm also going to follow that up with a period of time that I know you're going to be good to go when we actually get out the other side. Is that, is that like a must have that you've seen has been a big difference in prepping individuals? Like if they're like, no, I, I want to like really make the most, I'm willing to take a shorter interim period. It's like, no, no, this eight week block is like, we, there's no compromise there. Like we just eat it on either, either side of like the prep or the off season escalation. Yeah, like, and when Luke said then with his client who won the the overall in terms of when they were mapping out blood work in prep, like, where you just ingrain that in the off-season model and you'd say like, right, well, this is where we're running blood work. If you're good to go at that point, I'm happy to pull you in and we'll, we'll pre-plan that on the on the sheet. But if that's not where it needs to be, then the whole thing just rejigs until we are in a position where we're good to go. Um, yeah. And like, little, little, like an interesting... Um, variation there is like rob taylor who's disqualified for the for the o in ireland um he had a really short window and uh we're obviously we're, we're obviously now blessed before the olympia this we've got lots of time now but he had a really short window so like even the little differences of uh you know i i knew i had a, a very short window to play with so like using faster faster estes from the offset and getting him in quickly and then getting him out quickly as well little things like that where in an off-season phase where we have a longer period of time, the stat design in terms of ST consideration would be a little bit different than when we have a very short finite period of time. So things like Rob's prep for the Ireland show, it's like, right, well, we've got a weight cap to hit. We've got a look to present. Um, this is going to go, you know, this is going to change everything we do here. And this is going to, you know, change the whole makeup of the prep, but it can happen. It's just, we need to rejig what we're doing. Um, and he was actually one, we've just run his post show, eight week post show blood work. Um, and it was like like cr crazy improvements, but it's the first time that he's had a structured post-show phase. And it's the first time he's been structured with, you know, how to pull out of prep in, a, in an effective manner, how to control that regulation of body weight. He's doing the 212 now instead of the, instead of the open. So he can't have that rebound he would have done in the past where he puts 40 pounds on in four weeks and then blows his cap and can't get back down. Um, which has led to, you know, better, better regulation in blood work, better regulation in systemic stress in his body. Um, you know, it's probably the first time that I think in the past he's come off completely and I've just basically transitioned him back to TRT and it's led to much more consistent and stable blood work as well, as opposed to that just rocky instability at the, at the post-prep phase. Um, that's been a really interesting one that, that's kind of shown very, very quick restoration, but I think it's just because it's probably the first time he's had like real structure when he, when he needed it at the most. Well, the normal go-to post-show is like, blast hard as you, you possibly can for like the anabolic rebound yeah right and, and then that, you wind up with even worse blood work eight weeks later yeah. and, and having to like reverse that and it's just a, then it's a mess right then it takes um, twice as long but of course i'm sure you know he's uh pretty motivated too as well like for yeah, olympia so yeah yeah for sure for sure like the, the i think the uh, I've probably be I've probably been the calming voice in his head that he needed because he's he's the kind of guy that like if you tell him to do anything you tell him to do anything he would he would do it um, and I know he trusts me but I also know that uh, you know he knows that I have his best intentions at heart he's a family man he's got kids you know he's 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 uh, there are other things happening in his life alongside bodybuilding and that needs to be a part of it and I think just him seeing that blood work last week and him seeing the improvements like it's proved to him like right. You know, I might have slowed down 
fresh out the gate, eight week post show, but I know that I'm in a position now where I'm good to go. And I've got the peace of mind to, to pursue this Olympia prep now without that back of the back of the mind thought where it's like, maybe I should have run that blood work post show. Or maybe I shouldn't have run 500 milligrams of test straight out of the gate. You know, it's <laughs> like, and that happens all the time. We see it all the time. Yeah. That's, that's a unique timeline to map out. Right. Cause it's, it's like almost enough time to do something like progressive wise, but then it's not because you have to make sure you can pull back down. What, I mean, would, would you mind sharing that, that kind of process for, for him? Yeah. So like, this is why for, for him, because we've got that two twelve cap to play with, you know, this is why there'll only be a certain amount of weight tolerance that I'll allow in this phase, because I know that that prep for the Olympia then will be a nightmare when we've got a short window of time to play with, Like he can get away with a six week prep but it's because he can start in close proximity and he can work as well. Um, so I know that, right, we can work with that kind of six to eight week window to prep for the Olympia, but the only way this works is with you not blowing up post-show and putting on 40 pounds. Like if you get to the end of the eight week window and you're 20 pounds up and you're still in great condition, then it's game on because then we can control our rate of gain all the way until we actually start prep and we can allow the improvements to happen, but we can stay in control as well. Whereas if it was him you know, of days past and he goes on the all-inclusive holiday for two weeks, comes back at 250 pounds and starts his off season. Like he's not getting back to that 212 cap. That's why, you know, he's prepped multiple times before that it just hasn't happened or his body conked out because it's just too much, too much to handle in a short space of time. Um, whereas for him now, it's like even that, that timeline and longer distance planning is allowing him to hit his mark straight away every time consistently because, you know, what, once one show is done, he's already thinking about how he's going to, how he's going to hit the mark for the next one. Yeah, that's so important to note for like our like your weight cap athletes yep. that, that have that or have like that weird time gap between shows and they end up just not coming back in shape for the next one, right? Um, and they can get like for, for your prep last year, sorry to button, for your prep last year, like you stayed, you stayed lean for a long time, didn't you as well? But was that just to make the ease of process into the next show? effective or is it just because you're sadistic and love to be, <laughs> love to be <laughs> yeah well I, I had to i had to do the same thing you know reverse it because i emotionally i needed redemption from olympia so i wanted to do like the first show and that was in may so it's like five months yeah. okay work it backwards like what can my body weight go to and how much do i need to pull off um based on how much more i also need to pull down right so i was like to 211 at Olympia, not conditioned. I know I need to go lower. I had to end up having to go down to 204, right? So it's like another seven pounds. And uh, ended up prepping 12 weeks out for Indy. Pretty, relatively pretty, pretty lean, right? But I could just pull it off slow and actually felt excellent going down and get mm. to those uh, lower levels of body fat I needed. But I think I ended up going to like 220, up to 225, I think the peak of that, bringing that up kind of over, over, over a couple of weeks and holding there and gear was pulled back and all, all that whole time frame. So when you in, introduce it back in 12 week prep, um, everything like really takes off again. Then I kept, just kept going. So, uh, that was, but that was the whole process for the entire year, like reversing it. Right. I need to make down to now I know 204, 205, how much can I let my body weight come up before I need to pull it back down? Yeah. Um, and that's how you can just keep hitting the mark. But I think a huge part of it was like, you know, how are you not completely like wiped out from anabolic, like, you know, PD stress, right? It's because you can toggle that when you know phases when you're increasing food and body weight, PD, the lever can get, you know, pushed back up 
as a synth threat, you can remove that because you have other influences that can drive progress um, and then reintroduce when you need to. Um, but yeah, if, I think the old model of like, dude, you just run a high the whole time because you don't want to leave anything on the table, grow post-show, mm. diet it back down. And mm. man, you just, you, you end up like being that really inflamed, just kind of swollen guy on stage and not, yeah. not you, you end up getting worse, right? I think that that push and pull of the lever as well with androgens is a really useful, uh, is a really useful um, consideration from a, you know, from a female perspective in terms of what other tools we have in the toolbox year round to drive progress other than just relying on super physiological androgenic support. You know, if we've, if we've got, say for example, we've got an athlete on HRT, but she's now in a progressive phase with food high and she's recovering well, like, do we need those other tools there to elicit the progress? Probably, probably not. Um, so looking at the whole toolbox as a spectrum is um, a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think with with females, um, obviously it's division dependent, like and what their risk tolerance is, and yeah, what femininity means to them. Um, but yeah, weigh, weighing out like when do you play them? Like, is it off season at the tail end? Right. Usually, I'm usually I'm always off gym performance, and then their risk acceptance too. But usually, tail end of the off season, things are slowing down. Still have like you know the body fat runway to play with. That might be a consideration then. But not in the beginning, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. the, when we have all the other tools to still play. Same with prep. You know, I, I think people use way too much on females way too early. Um, yeah. You know, females aren't carrying like way outside their you know genetic potential and muscle mass. So they're not going to need as much to hold on to that tissue. Um, it's just like monitor gym performance. And when that starts, like start seeing it hold, it's like maybe make a consideration there for when to, to play it in. That was like Mandy this year because I knew she was doing a whole string of shows. And it was like that that PED deployment got put in super late for that first show from a prep, but I knew it was because what was coming and just the the moderate level at which it was deployed as well. Because I mean, and she just got better each show, right? Like 10th at Pittsburgh, seventh at New York Pro, and now third at the Titan show. It's like, man, you're just seeing that continuously improve because it's not been taken all for that first show right um it's really important i know we're talking more about like the macro scale cal but you had mentioned like your your pre-prep phase and that sounded pretty key in a lot of things that you do is uh is any of that phase like fat loss mini cut related or is that specifically when you state that that's like health recovery and a hold like holding body weight phase I um I, I've I've started over the last you know year or so, maybe a little bit longer, but um consistently mapping out kind of maintenance blocks before they transition into the deficit. So you're you're kind of like uh, closing the gap, so to speak, in regards to where the prep setup would be relative to peak off season. Because like you know, and I thought about this logically and sat down. And I was like, you know, you know, when you get those clients where you pull like 2000 calories straight off the gate and they're three weeks into the diet and they've lost like 0.3 pounds. And you're like, how yeah. is this even possible? And then <laughs> you kind of, you kind of realize you put that on a graph and you're like, well, that probably shouldn't look like that in terms of the food drop straight away. So I was, <laughs> I, I was making that, you know, you know, if we had, right, we're going to have, you know, six or eight weeks where we, where we have this kind of maintenance threshold before we start prep. It's to basically bring them what I'd refer to as like 
finishing the race and then like walking towards the start line of the next race and then get them out the gates. It's like you've got a distance to close there before they're even ready to make the transition into the deficit or make the transition into their energy balance that they need to start responding in prep. And I think when that happens, I've just consistently had athletes start prep off the gate and respond straight away, but also to start prep in a better place in general in terms of body composition. Um, you know, less inflamed than they were peak off season. Obviously, you know, they're, they're on a lower energy load before they start prep, you know, because they've had that window of time, but just allowing body weight to trickle down a little bit and just running them in that maintenance phase where we have that initial food drop peak, peak, peak off season, we hold and let the, the new muscles solidify and get the body happy. And then, right. As soon as you make those first prep changes, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're straight off and, and you're responding. You probably see it from a habits perspective too, as far as like, yeah, for sure. Activity and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah um and like even like for guys i think guys well females as well but if you've got them in like a relatively uncomfortable position peak off season and then you say we're going to hold this for eight weeks you know it's not going to be an enjoyable experience and most people wouldn't be able to do that because peak off season is like is you're not going to spend along there because it comes at a cost right so um just having them in a position where they do you know, even mental and emotional stress of being in a more comfortable place before you start dieting is a really powerful tool. Because if you go from like being uncomfortably heavy and uncomfortably full of food to then all of that going, and now you're uncomfortably hungry <laughs> and uh, and fatigued, it's like you're not having any consideration there over just having that slight homeostatic balance before you actually pull the pull the trigger into the next phase. Give some accuracy too in like the initial prep assessment. So. I I've had like some super heavies and super heavies, like they're like the opposite, but a bikini. It's like, mm. they want to see their body weight really high all the time. If it goes down, they're like, you know, they always think they're going to be a higher body weight on stage. And yeah, um, that, that initial like prep pull and drug pull is kind of a head fuck because sometimes there's some like good body weight that comes off these guys, 10, 15 pounds. Um, I think you do that in a whole phase then you're like, now prep starts. And, yeah. and uh, it's like, okay, now we have some accurate measure, even from a coaching perspective, like to see that big drop when you make the first pull in prep, it's like, let's, uh, what part is this is what I need to be looking for. So um, it's like the, it's the, it's the 300 pound client is on 20 IUs Atlantis and five IUs at GH. It's like, you're not 300 pound really. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be like 260 this year. <laughs> And then week one of they pulled it, you're like, why am I 290? <laughs> Is that how you'll pull it? Right? Peak off season, compounds pulled down, foods pulled down. We just you just do it all in one course, or is there I'll uh, a I think transition like there? The androgens I will pull. I won't transition because I want them baseline and, and holding there before we start. But I think like the the uh ancillaries like the whether it be you know the growth like the non-androgen based tools like insulin or growth hormone whatever if they're in play then as food transitions down i'll tailor them towards the the intake and the input in terms of calories um but like if they're if they're uncomfortably calorically high then i'll make an initial drop to get them comfy relatively quickly instead of like being like oh we're gonna i know you're uncomfy but we're gonna we're gonna pull down by 100 calories this week it's like well, <laughs> that's, that's one squares but i've still got 10 more um you know, it's, uh, make, make the drop to actually make them realize there's been change as well and, and a, a question with, within that too is like and maybe the way you're running these blocks you're not getting people but i, I would figure even an extended off season it needs to happen 
is, mm. is the, a fat loss phase in the mm. offseason. Um, mm. How does that factor in? Will you run that on the tail end of, of a push up and an escalation or go to go to your like your pre pet phase, hold phase, then run it from there? Or how does that all factor in? I think uh, there are probably two times I do it. So I think like one consideration is when the android bumps up, they're going to recomp. Even if we hold food and just creep the androgen load up, they're going to recomp because training performance increases and that metabolic demand increases. So we could do it at the, uh, we could hold in that physiological phase or lower androgen load phase. And then as we begin the escalation, we run the little recomp. Or the other way I'd do it is actually in the clearing phase of the pull down. So as those esters start to clear, I'd run the recomp at the end of the push. And by the time they hit their bottom antigen load and those previous testers have cleared, we're then in a position where we can start creeping food back up. But that's obviously a relatively short time frame. So we might have like a four-week window, but we might be relatively aggressive at the start, get them moving, and then gradually stabilize food from there. Um, but I think like one tool that people underplay is like if we're, if we're holding energy balance at a, a set point with food intake and we creep dosing up, you know, body composition will improve. Um, some 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 people more than others, but there's a window of time there where we can play with that to our advantage. Um, I think with mapping this out though, it, it it limits the time course of probably having to do that because Luke and I we did a we did a podcast on like mini like you know quotation mark mini cut because yeah. a lot of times these aren't mini cuts because sometimes people get too far gone. But I think when you are mapping out this, like you kind of have, have a better gauge of how high you let body weight go or body fat. And, and also you kind of know the, the athlete of where they need to sit, um, yeah. but you don't get to those phases. I, I imagine, Cal, have you seen that? Like in your coaching, have you seen like fat loss phases, like mini cuts, whatever you want to call them, have, have shortened or are they about the same? I, I think the biggest consideration there is just the tolerance for me to not allow people to get too soft in their off-season phase because then when we do make the changes, they respond much quicker. Um, then, you know, the, the, the whole consideration of like if we get a client and they go heavy, heavy, and they put on way too much, that mini cut realistically just turns into a deficit and it's probably going to be quite a long deficit to get them back down because then it's kind of defeats the purpose of doing it in the first place. So um, I think stay, stay within your threshold and then use, you know, a, a, an aggressive pull to get them back on track and then move again, as opposed to blowing them way past their tolerance and then having to spend eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, actually getting them back into a position where they can respond again. Um, and I think like it takes a couple of preps. I think I've always used the analogy here for me, like it's taken couple of preps for me to screw things up a little bit in terms of how heavy I've taken someone and then not being able to hit condition that following prep to then never make that mistake again. And when I see them in their off season, that next, that next post-show phase, and I see them in a position where there, there might be six months post-show and you kind of know where the, where the set point was, where you lost it last time. It's like, I'm not going to allow this to happen again. Cause I know that when you get this soft, we're going to miss our mark again when we next come down because there's just too much to take off in the time frame we've got, or we haven't budgeted enough time to prep or even like little things like um, if we're in a position where there is a considerable amount to take off, do we need to split that into multiple phases? Can we do that in one push or do we need to run a little dark break to reset and then go again? Um, Cause sometimes if there's a lot of adipose to take off, like that's not going to be one process. That's going to be, you may be two or three strung together. Do you, do you have some clients that that's just how that has to work for them? Cause their set point is so high. Yep. Yeah, it's happened before. Maybe not like, um, 
now I have kind of done that and I'm relatively proficient at it. I could probably pre-plan it, but before it would almost like happen by default where it was like, I'm eight weeks out and I'm like, mm, you know, some, yeah. something's not right here. But then next time they prep, you can almost like pre-budget it into the timeline itself. So, you know, right, we're, we're going to take these precautionary steps to make sure we hit our mark. I, man, I, I appreciate the, the honest candor there because um, we make mistakes as coaches, right? And we learn, that's part of it. Like this, this is the thing is like, you have to learn your athletes. How do you handle the, the mental component around your athletes with that too? Because, um, hey, I got you too fat last, last off season. Sorry about that. Let's uh, not do that again. Or, yeah. hey, we need to push your show back. Like, do you have anything set? Like, it may be in your mind preemptively, like, hey, I need to make sure like this client knows this expectation for this prep or um, when it does happen and it kind of surprises you. Maybe that doesn't happen anymore. But how, how do you go about handling that with the athlete? I think uh, it was really hard at the start because you, you have that expectation of like, I can't miss and I can't feel as though I failed at my job. Um but I think in, in regard to like thinking critically, it's almost like, right, well, you need to view that objectively in terms of what's actually happened and what's happening in the process. And then learn from that in terms of this is a consideration we need to make next time, because I know that in four weeks time, when you step on stage, you're not as sharp as you could have been. And I know that this, at this point in prep, we should have done that, or, you know, we shouldn't have let you go past this body weight, or this is a mistake we made in that last off season phase. And it's like, look, it's happened. I'm going to do the best I can to bring you down from where we are now. But next time we do this, this is never going to happen again. Um, and as long as we've got the, the acknowledgement of that, then it's like, you know, it's tough. It's tough to handle because we don't like losing anything. We, we like winning, but um, you've got to learn from it and be constructive in a certain way. Whereas I think it's the coach that doesn't acknowledge it where there's a, an issue because the client's going to be thinking it either way. And if the coach doesn't bring it up and they just say, oh, you know, tough luck, better luck next time. That's where you're going to lose a client. The tan was off, man. Yeah, there, yes, you taste your tan. We didn't get your glaze strong enough. <laughs> yeah, I, you know that. I think anyone listening to this, like, I think those are the conversations your coach should be having. With. And Cal, that's why you are a good coach. Because when you have a coach that's saying like, hey, these were the mistakes I made, they're the ones actually looking introspectively at what their process mm. and trying to improve it for you. Because yeah. um, all the coaches I've left, it's been a point of like, they're completely just ignorant to that fact. And they put it on other variables. Right. It's like you're done improving yourself, which in turn is going to be you're done improving me. So when you have a coach that can like look at their own self and say, hey, this is where I fell short, but we're only going to make that better because I realize mm -hmm. it. I, mm -hmm. I think that's when you really nail it. And that's getting right back to like mapping all the timeline and how this even came about. Right. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Well, Cal, that was a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I think a lot of this <clears throat> for everyone is just like taking the time to map it out. Um, I think it's something that's just not done by most people. And even for those people who maybe not have the set end goal, like we can set flexible timeframes and still reverse engineer from those timeframes. Right. So um, I think that's kind of where a lot of this starts to lead to better athletes on stage. And I think you can just see that in the clients that are being put on stage as well. Um, especially just like recently, you know, for sure. Yeah. And uh like John said, it goes into, it's not even just phase to phase. It's, you know, applying that in terms of like what you're doing with stack design, applying that in terms of what you're doing with training. Like when are we actually 
looking at pulling back in terms of fatigue management within the training as well and linking that to nutrition, linking that to what we're doing with the with the PED side, like everything interlinks and synchronizes. And I think once you can get everything locked in and in synergy, that's where you know really great things start to happen. Okay. No, those those are some great information. There's a lot of nuggets you gave in this. So people have some great takeaways. Uh Cal, um, anything you want to plug for people to find out more information? Are you even taking on more clients now? Or are you just loaded to the max? Or <laughs> uh, at the moment, we're, we're I'm not personally. Uh, obviously, the guys on the team are. Um, okay. Ross, you'll, you'll you'll see Ross in uh, once he's finished prep. <laughs> at the moment, he doesn't have much much cognitive thought process left. But um, obviously, you'll you'll see him in uh, August. But I think if we're gonna obviously uh, plug anything, I'd say the the seminar we've got in in August with, with Luke at destination will be one that's definitely on the list for people to, to attend the peak week seminar. Um, I'm sure that would be like linked in the bio or something. Um, and then obviously checking out Bodycon um, in uh, the dragon's lair in Vegas come uh, 20th and 21st of August, um, which has been great. We're obviously pro coach on socials. If you want to learn how to be an exceptional coach, go and visit J3 uh, university as well. Oh, look at um, you plugging my own. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, dude, like, and I know, I know it sounds, corny but like that is a that was a game changer in me starting to view things and acknowledge things in a in a really analytical and critical way and like ha having the conversations that me and luke have had in the past and you know seeing people who are on a similar wavelength but you're just always refining little things like i'll still you know learn stuff now just by picking things up and reading it or seeing it online so this it's just a constant state of refinement which i think is at the end of the day the people that are doing that are going to be the people that continuously can succeed and do well in in the sport uh, or whatever they're doing in life but um yeah it's just a you know i think our, our little circle now in our remit and where we're moving is um is, is a really positive thing it's exciting times i mean the coaching scene has just escalated tremendously and i think that's what we all we all wanted for our, ourselves but now we can like help other coaches take it to the next level so th the coaches that have done like what they've done in the past it's just it's just not even going to be acceptable anymore you know um which is cool it's uh, it's cool to see where I mean, you're just gonna see better physiques and more competitiveness in the ranks too, right? Um, mm. But yeah, I'll put all those links in the description, and so anyone that's interested, check it out, and y'all can y'all can find all the all the plugs and where to the seminars to reach out to those. So, but Cal, um, man, we appreciate you coming on. My pleasure, my pleasure. Until next time. Alrighty, guys, take care. Bye bye.